This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio show on Community Radio 3CR, 8.55am, digital, live streaming, uh, all sorts of ways you can listen to 3CR, including a whole bunch of ways you can listen to us on podcast afterwards. On today's show, I am catching up with the Melbourne Dirt Indie Pack team about uh, the non-race across Australia, the, the amazing amount of bikepacking and stories and stuff we've seen in the last three weeks since a whole bunch of people decided to leave Fremantle on uh, March the 17th and ride across Australia because why not? Uh, this is tales of bikepacking and fun and all sorts of interesting things of, oh, how could I put it? I put it earlier in a certain way of... Here we go. It's uh, the experiences of riding a combined 5,000 and 500 kilometres across Australia, including tales of inspiration, exhaustion, trail angels and taking on massive challenges. You might remember that we've uh, interviewed Melbourne Dirt a couple of times on the show. This is the third time. And this one we're speaking to Kate and Elise. I'd like to catch up with Steph, Liz and Tess at a later point. Uh, I'd just like to mention before I start the program that this um, interview contains some mild language, so if you're you know, a little bit sensitive, just turn your radio down for the next half hour, but uh, it's not profuse, it's just, you know, in context. I'm Elise, one of the uh, team members from uh, Melbourne Dirt IPWR, and I rode the, um, the relay leg from Adelaide to Melbourne, receiving the team tracker uh, from Liz in Adelaide, and then handed over to Kate in Melbourne. That's me. And Kate, where did you ride to? I rode from Melbourne to Canberra via all of the mountains. I think Jesse missed a mountain in that route planning. <laughs> <laughs> so, to recap, Melbourne Dirt Indie Pack relay team. Mm-hmm. You were initially got four members, which we've spoken to twice, and Liz was starting in Fremantle, and you did the handover in Adelaide. And we're talking today on Saturday, the 7th of April, and Liz continued on, Mm -hmm. and Liz has finished in Sydney. So has... Stavania. Yeah, so you've got a double win yeah, absolutely. It's and and something I was thinking of. Uh, stand to be corrected on this. Would Liz be the first woman to complete the entire IndyPac course? Yes, as a solo female in this edition. I have to celebrate you, baby. I have to praise you like I should. Jen Philby, who was before. Liz at the finish line. She was part of um, a relay team. So Liz has 
gone and written the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But these two have done the middle section. You did a handover to Liz. And actually it was quite funny because the moment uh, Liz passed me the tracker, we were, you know, in some senses no longer teammates. She said, right, game on, mole. (laughs) Did she really? (laughs) I just left out the mole part, but there was definitely game on in there. And for the next three and a half days, we really gave it to each other. The race was on. I tried my best to fend her off into Melbourne, but she, I think Liz just really found her element and she got that experience from the nullaball. She don't even want that for legs. Yeah, that's right. Not just her legs though, but she knew how to, I guess what I realised about the race was it wasn't just about fitness and strength as a cyclist. There was the, you know, elements of good decision making and knowing like when to eat, where to rest, how much to eat. That was a really a tricky element for me. Getting to know how your body works yes. and planning when to stop and where to stop is yep. a really big factor. And also yep. being really efficient with your stopping makes food, cuts your time down quite yep. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You yep. can see that with, as you're watching the dots, some people would be able to cover a lot of distance in a short amount of time and yep. stop for ages. Yeah. So would pass them. Yeah. We were a lot slower on the road. It took me, I think, until the, the second day to really nail down, like, the quick kind of servo stop, knowing that, like, how to eat on the bike. And so, like, I'd kind of get going in the mornings um, without eating. Like, I, I'd have my breakfast on the bike over a couple of hours. Do you think you would have gone as hard if you weren't, if you didn't have Liz? Like, was she... No. Was she <laughs> instigating you... Well, Riding like the demon of <laughs> yes, Nullaball. absolutely. And I actually had this nickname for it in my head. <laughs> I called her Nullaball Legs. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've got to beat Nullaball Legs. Can't let her beat me. You know, over those few days, she was slowly gaining ground on me. I thought I had her after the first day. I'd beaten her into Kingston by, I think, four hours. She caught you when you got a mechanical and your yep. front shifter wouldn't work. Yeah, that's she right. She had a laugh at you, yep. took a photo, kept yep. going. Yep. And then you ended up staying at my mum's house in Lawn that night. Yep. You were, you'd done yourself in. Yep. And she pushed on to Torquay. Yeah, that's right. Around. But then yep. you, you were only, what, half an hour after her into Melbourne. Yep. Yeah. Very close. I think Liz was better at pacing herself. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would go pretty hard. Like, I picked up a lot of qualms on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> By the time, you know, on day three, I'd hit Warrnambool. It was halfway through the day. I reckon I'd completely, like, used up all my glycogen stores. I was 100% reliant on um, food I was consuming to keep going. And I was having, like, can of Coke after can of Coke. Uh, Red Bulls, some potato cakes, gels, I reckon I had about three or four gels on this day, in addition to all the meals I was having. Um, Didn't that make your stomach feel upset though? Oh yeah, I had diarrhea, I was vomiting, shaking, had heart palpitations. I just wanted to curl up on the side of the road and cry, but I was like, no, I've got to keep going.
I sound like a holiday. <laughs> Mine's great. You got to do all I the fun stuff. I was pizza and McDonald's <laughs> and having a chat at the end of the day. I mean, it's hard. But yeah, yeah. You got to do the fun stuff like Tawonga Gap, W2F Corner, we're on a community radio. What's that <laughs> like doing that in reverse? In reverse? Oh, because you're going around the other way. Yeah, so you start from what people call the back of falls, but I've never done the front of falls. And I did the back of falls for the first time three weeks ago in a recce ride. But during that recce ride, I started in Bruton and rode you know, through Omeo, the whole day I was bonking. So I did falls after, like, I don't know, I've been already bonking for eight hours, let's say, <laughs> I climbed up falls. So this time when I did it, I felt great in comparison. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is hard, but you can get through it. Falls probably wasn't even the worst of it. There was lots of other sneaky little climbs that would get you at the end of the day you've just been out for 12 hours and then it's only 5% but you're in your biggest cog because you just can't manage it anymore. <laughs> it's like Mount Stanley or something coming into Beachwood where it was very, very steep. 5k and very tight, mind you, that's tough. But sometimes those really steep bits weren't the worst, it was the, just the continuous rollers that just mess with you because you're trying to get speed down and then you've like, got to change all the way up your cassette to, yeah. like, oh, I'm slow again. Look. Especially when your bike weighs 25 kilos. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing, like, trying to put this in comparison of other styles of riding and you've gone out there and done something completely different which is not like a two or three hour ride where you've gone out done try to hit a pb or do something this is every day all day and you're limited for what resources where did you find like your training kind of kicked in and you know helped or didn't well for me the the training or like two day final training rides at a time definitely helped a lot because I'd learned how to eat. <laughs> I'd learned to eat ahead of time or overeat. So I'd have a meal and then I'd have a milkshake as, as well, like eat a chocolate bar to just try to stay like ahead of myself. And I was also prepared to just sleep wherever. I'd done it before, so I'd sort of taken the fear out of that and just annoying you know, how to stay warm or not get too hot, not get sunburnt, always chamois cream. I had like a thing in my head like chamois cream, sunscreen, sugar, salt. <laughs> like, these are the things that you need. <laughs> there was one moment and I realised later that I saw the devil. <laughs> was this hallucinating? No. So, well, Keep I going. I realised as I was coming up forth that I was, I was like Jesus in the wilderness, right? And just after I'd come around what the fuck corner, and it's really steep for a little while, and that's kind of okay because your legs are still fresh, but then you know that you've got to keep going, keep going. So it was just around there, and it just got dark, and then a ute came around and slowed down, and the guy leaned out and goes, do you want to lift up to the top of falls? <laughs> and it was just like this 
horrible temptation. And I remembered um, what uh, Hamo said. She would say to people when they offered her stuff on, at the Transend race, and I said, I'm in a bike race! You'd be tempting though, but you get caught though because people would be watching up. This, this spot's travelling at a phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did Kate get up for it? 50, 60 Durante from Canzoniere Grecanico Salentino. This is 3CR855 on your IM dial. Please subscribe. The community is important, the spirit of community is the most important thing, so subscribe. seen a vast slab of Australia that people don't see at this, at this speed. These days we get in a plane or something and go fast, long distances. Previously people used to get in a horse or a bike or boats. What's it like watching the, you know, the geography change over vast caves? For me, like, I'm a vegetation ecologist, so I was just absolutely frothing the whole time looking yeah. at how the geology was changing and, like, how the vegetation was responding to that as well. And it was pretty special, I think, particularly at sunrise and, and sunset. So I was riding along the Great Ocean Road via moonlight, and that was just probably, like, one of the most special moments in my life, actually. The, the moon was just like bathing everything in this glow and I decided, you know, that um, I think Lizard got me and I'm just going to relax now and take the time to, to reflect. Yeah, pretty special moment for me. Yeah, yeah we were really lucky with the moon actually mm. in that time that you were, your last couple of days and my first few days with a lot of moonlight. My first night because I left at two in the afternoon and then I had a full moon and I sort of was tempted to just keep riding through the night because it was so big. It was Easter Saturday and I was in the middle of nowhere. I was worried that some uh, drunk driver might just knock me off the road so I ended up sleeping in Powtown. But yeah, the, the, like, the landscape for me changed a lot. It was really beautiful, like a Nuji, sort of more rainforest, and then you come out and it's really rural, and then it's more dry forest, and I don't know as much about ecology as you do, but it changed a lot, but it's so, because you're going so slowly, mm. you almost don't notice it. So you both opted out of not doing another ball. Do you reckon to Liz wanted to do it. Stefania kind of wanted to do it as well. Like she had, yeah. And I think she would be alright, but yeah, she had a bit of a cultural what would you call her interest? She's I guess she's a bit like of a fascination. Yeah. Yeah, like an anthropological interest, but also I think like an artistic one as well. Yeah. But I prefer trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually like climbing as well. I was actually more worried about the descending because I'm not a very confident descender, but I think I've improved. It's good. 
because it's going down so many mountains. I was noticing a thing yesterday that there was some roadworks or something to do with Macquarie Pass at the back of Wollongong, and you only have to look at an elevation. It's something like what does it goes from seven, eight hundred meters down to eighty within how many k's? Mm. Not very many. And she ended up having to do a uh, bypass around it. And, but it was, that, that area is phenomenally steep. And it's like, you know, for the normal rider, you know, kind of, how long do I have to sit on my brakes and put my weight back? No, but and it hurts. <laughs> for me, I, like, I try to, I love descending. Mm. And I, I try and, like, not break for mm. where I can. Yeah, I try not to break whenever I can. Because yeah. I, I feel like the more I break, the more likely I'm to actually have an accident. You're listening to 3CR Radio. You've just spoken about like the Great Ocean Road, but what's it like to see that part of Australia like, you know, the coast and coming around into like the built-up areas, you're coming into Geelong and back yeah. up. That, that must be amazing, kind of like it's just like, you know, one big suburb or something coming into Melbourne. Yeah, well, I mean... It, it's definitely like that industrial area has its own charm, I guess, and its own own beauty. But I think for me, like it kind of it's in that context of all like the diversity of like different landscapes that you've just seen over the last couple of days that you can really appreciate it. And yeah, noticing that like gradual change as you reenter civilization again. Yeah, because around the unions it's just very flat and bare and then you come onto the Third Ocean Trail mm. so you don't really feel like you're in suburbia because it's sort of somehow separate from yeah. it on that trail. Yeah. And then there's all this industrial stuff. And yeah. Elise and I did a recce ride along that part of the route and Elise was frothed <laughs> on that part. She loved it. She liked it better than the rainforest we've been through. <laughs> well, you're coming in off like the grasslands. <laughs> well, that's right. Grasslands yes. are phenomenally diverse. Yes, they are. They're fascinating I little things. Couldn't really see much at that scale, but no. I was appreciating <laughs> the, the dry stone walls and, yeah, the, the basalt. I like the big yeah. piles of white goods and things. Yes, yeah, mm. yeah. And I say, like, you, from a different perspective, were going out of Melbourne mm. into the wilderness. You were just saying you had, you know, an interesting experience. Yeah, well, it was kind of, it was funny at the start, it didn't feel like I was about to head off on a big ride, because I started in the city, and then you go down the bike path and along the bully, and um, our friend Lyndon rode out with me. At first I just felt like I was on a social ride with my mate, so it didn't really sink in until, probably until I woke up the next morning, because even the, the rest of the riding that I did on the first night, I'd done it before, so it just all felt very familiar. You come along the bike paths and you go up the Dandenongs. It's another really popular cycling route. Was, yeah, the weirdest part actually was just there was a guy at the top of the 1 in 20 and he was taking a, a video of me as I was riding up and then he goes, what did he say? He goes, oh, good job, Mal. This isn't far down the road. <laughs> I was like confused for a bit. He's, oh, I think my name is Melbourne Dirt. <laughs> But he knew <laughs> who you sense. were, so that means you arrived. It really does. Yeah, you're, yeah. Su- you're something. That was my first. That was my first um, experience with a dot watcher, and uh, for some reason I didn't expect to see dot watchers. And mm. the next day there was heaps 
and it sort of landed me right like into the right. It's like, oh, I'm actually really part of something now. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't just make this, you know, about myself or it's mm. not my own ride. People were really involved, mm. and they yeah. were coming out and offering chocolate and Easter eggs, and which was really cool. Mm. I really got into it. Yeah, and, and in that sense, it really is like the people's race. It, it's not just about us riding this mm. race, but it, it's about that broader community around it of, of dot watchers. And for me, yeah, that was just, I was blown away by how many different types of people, you know, the, the race had captivated and who had gone out of their way to to um, provide food and water and accommodation or just a chat or a ride. On my way into into Melbourne from um, the back of Werribee, just past the Yu Yangs, I was joined by, um, I think his name was Stephen, um, and he rode me basically to the end of the Fed Trail. We were just having a good chat, you know, we were smashing along at a pretty good pace, you know, 30 k's an hour or so but we really got to know each other over this time and we were just yeah talking about like the role of cycling in our lives and and um as a a mental health machine and like we'd slowly like opened up and by the end you know we both talked about how um you know our issues with substance abuse in the past and how cycling is just this amazing vehicle for for dealing with those issues and that was just I felt really humbled by by that whole experience. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you found the trail angel there. Definitely found you. Yeah. Mm. I had someone ride me into Canberra from along the bike paths, and I was uh, really grateful for that because I'd started riding at one in the morning, and I got into Canberra around seven a.m. So I was a bit out of it, and um, this local guy rode me through and. You know, he wasn't riding in front of me or anything, which was really good of him, rode alongside or behind, but he would point out, like, oh, you know, stop here, there's an exit, like, just watch out for cars and that sort of thing, because you have to ride along a freeway and there's cars coming in on um, entry lanes. And then uh, when found Stefania at, at Parliament, handed over the tracker, she <laughs> zoomed off <laughs> and um, this guy, Malcolm, uh, rode me down the road to a cafe where four other IndyPack riders who are known somewhat as the awesome foursome <laughs> they were having brekkie there so it was really good to be able to see them before they left for Sydney because I'd been uh, slept, like staying in accommodation with them a fair bit and sharing a lot of meals and they especially um, like Michael and Chris have been really helpful in um, telling me about the road ahead and what to expect and that sort of thing. So we'd really develop this camaraderie. It was really special. So it was, yeah, it was great to get a photo with them before they left. I think they've just got into Sydney like, in the last hour or so. I have to praise you like I should. <laughs> We're talking on Saturday afternoon, and we're just it's pretty amazing the last 24 hours. It's a 
thinking this was the race that wasn't really a race because of incidents that occurred last year. From a different perspective, this reminds me of what stories I've heard from people who have done the Audax Paris Press Paris, where the locals put on these amazing spreads, food and you know, kind of accommodation and camaraderie because you know they love the riders. Can can you see something like that happening here, or do you think it could be? given whatever happens with the coronial inquest into Michael's death, will this ride just keep kicking on? Or? I think yeah. it'll happen, it's keep happening. Yeah. I think it'll go ahead next year, whether Jesse and Sarah are able to be involved or not. I think there's enough of a community behind it now. Yeah, because, again, people were sitting there glued to their devices. Like, I, was, I had to kind of fidgeting around between my desktop computer and my phone for three hours watching <laughs> of Liz coming into Sydney and you know, being a sad git and doing you know, screenshots. Oh, look, 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 look. What am I looking at? She moved. She moved. Uh, you know, but it's kind of like there's a huge community out there of, you know, not sad people, but people who are fascinated by, you know, it's a different type of participation, if you want to call it that. You know, we're used to having our people that we look up to is over there it harks back to an older more kind of golden history of cycling of people yeah. getting out and having a having a lash at it i guess it's um ordinary people doing extraordinary things which really touches something in people's imagination and sort of they go wow that's incredible that someone who's just you know your average accountant or something mm. what can get out there and Get across Australia and bicycle in three weeks. So many people have donated money, you know, large and, and small sums and made this all possible. So thank you to all of those individuals. Thank you to the spin room and all of the the instructors there. Yeah, we were really, really lucky. We had a lot of very generous donations to our GoFundMe page. The Spin Room was one of our main sponsors who um, gave us free spin lessons as much as many as we wanted, basically, for the last <laughs> few months, more than we could handle. <laughs> we also had a lot of people donate prizes for our fundraising events at Dirty Deeds CX and at the Spin Room. So we had like Butter Bing donating cookies, uh, Coffee Supreme. Number 16 cycle caps made us hats. Rafa Australia donated a whole bunch of products. Chetnikov Bicycle Code have been really supportive along the way as well and donated a lot of things to us. Oh, Zoda Sports Wash. Oh, yeah, I keep an probably clean. could have used some. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually wash anything for the six days. I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe, do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. But in terms of how incredible it is, I mean overall it definitely is. I, was, I personally was surprised by how blown away other people were by what we did. Because to me, I think when I look at it, I break it down into small parts, and it's just like 
oh, but I just, you know, I just rode my bike for a few hours and then a few hours more, then I did it again the next day. That's not such a big deal. But a lot of people were just like, oh, that's amazing, that's incredible. And those messages and the, the things that people said while we're out there and before we left and since we've been back, we've had so many people congratulating us that really has brought it home and really touched me personally. Like made me <laughs> feel quite humbled by the whole thing actually. Um, restored my faith in human <laughs> yeah. humanity. Yeah. With this ride, you've got people who've taken phenomenal amount of time out to do it. You've got people who have traveled from overseas and across Australia. But people will just go do, do, still do this event because they just believe in the absolute integrity of why the hell not. Still quite I'm shocked by the whole yeah, thing. Really like something. No. It kind of it was actually a blur. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So you've ridden between Adelaide to Melbourne, mm-hmm. which would be how many kilometres? The official route was 1,065, but I did 1,080, including wrong turns. That'll happen. And Kate, you did from Melbourne to Canberra with all the fun bumpy stuff. Yeah. It was the same distance as Elise, actually. I think I checked today. It was 1,080. So Steph got the easy bit, did she? I don't know about that. Well, it's shorter, but... Oh, that would have been... There's some bits in there that are brutal. Some brutal vet, and she Mm. really smashed it. And Liz has been like the frenemy of the team. (laughs) Frenemy? And gone out there and said, nah, I'm going to do the whole thing. Yeah, we couldn't have done it without Liz. Mm. No. She's been amazing with everything along the way. The gentle sledging. I wouldn't have pushed it so hard if she hadn't have gone so so intensely through the nullable. Like, I felt like I wanted to honour her, her journey yeah. and do it justice. But she's, yeah, she's been really amazing with all the organising. and mm. I think I would have pulled out of the race before it's even started if it wasn't for Liz encouraging me. Where to now? You want to keep going with this? Oh, I need my butt to heal first. Yes. <laughs> would you Would you encourage people to think about doing stuff like this? I, I think people should definitely do, maybe if this particular thing might not be their thing, but to find something that speaks to them that is very scary but exciting and go for it. Plan, save, train, do whatever you need to do and then do it and yeah it's amazing you don't have to be some you don't have to be an athlete or have extraordinary talent you just got to work away work at it and that's all we've got time today on Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. I should have mentioned in the intro that my name's Chris and Yarra Bug Radio. We're a little show about bicycles and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne, Australia from the studios of 3CR. Sorry for babbling in the intro. I'm a bit sleep deprived after watching another edition of the Paris Roubaix last night and triumph and unfortunately a bit of tragedy. Podcast should be up later today on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast or 3CR, or I should start the other one, which is yarrabug.org forward slash radio. You can catch up with more news and Melbourne cycling sort of stuff on our Facebook page and Twitter. Up next is uh, Jailbreak.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.